another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. And Ruedach Dumela Sia Bonga. Jenny, what did I say wrong there? You're you looking said at me. thank you instead of hello. <laughs> <laughs> Saying thank you. Sia Bonga, Jenny, for joining us all the way from France. Oh, I, I just see. thought we'll have a, a slightly different intro today. And of course, we're going to get you up to speed with all the different languages, aren't we? Oui, bonjour, like... Melanie. Merci et danke et sia bonga beaucoup. There we go. Well <laughs> done, Jen. Are you, are you better now and recovered from COVID? Absolutely. Ready to go. Good. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm sure Thank you're you. pretty glad having had that, that you weren't sitting in the torrid weather that they've been having down in the Western Cape. Oh, my goodness me. Goodness, so hot. And how awful that they suffered through like 45 degree temperatures, they thought, only to be told it wasn't really 45 degrees. That was a a locally induced temperature because of environmental factors. And so it doesn't count. So, so, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, South African Weather Service, when they do the official record breaking temperatures, although Mm -hmm. for many people in Robertson and in Cape Town, where it measured over 45 degrees, um, that's not officially counted as a record because local environmental factors induced the heat. But it was still that hot, so that doesn't make any like, sense, know, actually. I know, but I suppose temperatures about what the, what the world is doing, what the clouds and stuff is doing in the sun and so um so the only person or the only place that actually broke a record in the end was alexander bay in northern cape who broke Mm -hmm. their record for since 1963 their record for the minimum temperature in a day so their minimum temperature for a day last week was 22 uh, this weekend was 22.8 the previous record mm-hmm. was 22.5, so that was their lowest temperature. But And I must proudly say that here we had a temperature, but it was our highest, not our lowest, of 20, which is pretty good for winter. <laughs> That's not bad. That's definitely not bad for winter. But, I mean, I, I was looking at some amazing pictures of snow in Greece. How I awesome know. did that look? So beautiful. And I just I love expats because they're just so passionately South African. So um, we got sent so many fabulous things. There was somebody in Athens who's so missing home while she's sitting in this freezing cold snow. So she had done up her entire snowman in Springbok gear from head to <laughs> toe, whatever. And then and then there's another guy, Fadi de Beer, who he sent us last year where he was teaching his son about how to be South African and you go out, you know, with your shorts, your khaki shorts on. And, and you know, no khan on spray. And no khan on spray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he did it again this year. So he's in Austria where it's absolutely freezing and thick, thick snow. Um, and so he sent us a video. But you can see his little son is maybe thinking he'd rather dress up for the snow than go out in, in shorts and slops. Shorts in the know? snow. Oh, you've got to do it every now and then. Why not, hey? Yeah. <laughs> but so they also, they're saying that um, we're going to be having some, like, pretty hectic temperatures here in Johannesburg. Um, the rest of this week. So, well, you know, at least I have a house which is geared up for the heat. It's not geared up for the cold, though, which is unfortunate. But, you know, that's typical of South Africa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, But I just, I really feel sorry for the people who don't have that kind of... 
I don't know, stuff in the roof that keeps your house cold rather than <laughs> yeah, keeping Yeah, insulation or whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, one thing that I did see that was heat, getting me heated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And getting me really hot. Not the traffic. <laughs> no, oh, no, no. We're not going to do Mel's rant. Um, <laughs> okay, good. It was the Blitz books, the Blitz <gasps> Oh, my goodness. How awesome are they? They are on fire. Absolutely on fire. So they just won in Spain at Malaga. Is that the place? Remember uh, Robert Redford did that beautiful movie there. So they just won their third match series this this, uh, tournament series this year. It's Mm -hmm. their fifth consecutive Rugby Sevens tournament championship. And it's their 29th match in a row winning. How's that for a streak? Amazing. Yeah. So so if you're in… Phenomenal. They are. They they really are. And if you're in Spain, head to Seville this weekend. They'll be there. Ah, Seville. How beautiful. I'd love to go there. <laughs> I wish I was being going there. Okay, so uh, what have you got here about traveling through Heathrow? Oh, this question came up for expats. Um, mm-hmm. People traveling through, going to the Caribbean, for instance, and they travel through Heathrow and stop there for five hours. And, you know, they think, and this happens with several other countries as well, where South Africans think, oh, because it's in transit, I don't need a visa. I'm not leaving the airport. I'm not even going through passport control. Mm-hmm. However, it turns out you are on UK soil. And so you do need a visa. So if, you, if you're on a South African passport and you don't have an Australian, New Zealand, US, Canada visa, for instance, you must check on the UK government website because you actually need a direct airside transit visa to go through Heathrow. And if you're a smoker and you're going to be there a few hours and you want to smoke, remember that it's non-smoking, so you're going to have mm. to go outside. In that case, you need a visa that costs double the price, and it is called a visitor-in-transit visa. So that was just some helpful information from various South Africans around the world who were asking and, and helping each other on, on traveling with a South African passport. That's madness. You, I mean, that's crazy. If you go and you're transiting through Dubai… Yeah. You can wander around the airport. You don't need a, a transit visa. But there's certain places where you do and going to certain countries where you do. And so it turned out there were people like Jeddah. There, was, there were all kinds of, um, of people on South African passports who told about how they got stopped and weren't allowed onto planes because they didn't have the transit visa. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. Heathrow. Yeah. So just yeah. always check. Always check. Okay. All right, so what else is happening? What other news did you get in from expats? Well, there's a fantastic exhibition coming up at the Royal Academy of Arts in London. Uh, Francis Bacon, I don't know if you remember him, incredible artist last century. Mm. And it turns out that he had a very strong South African influence. His father was a horse breeder and used to go on safari to South Africa a lot and take photos of the wildlife. And Francis was really, Francis, is that how we say it? Was, was mm-hmm. really influenced by it. And in his mind, there was a, there's a very thin line between animals and, and humans. And we just have this like thin mask of civilization, but really we're nothing more than animals. So if you mm. look at a lot of his paintings, and I think this particular exhibition is called Man and Beast. And is him showing just how close the two are related. And it's all based on photography from animals in South Africa. Okay. Who knew? All right. Okay. So 
we're going back to sport again um, with hockey. The men and the women won the African Cup of Nations titles in Ghana. So our sporting people are doing fairly well, aren't and it's, they? And it's great news for expats because it means that both the teams have now qualified for the World Cup. So the Women's mm. World Cup is going to be later this year in July, and that's in Spain and the Netherlands, so if you happen to mm. be there. And the Men's World Cup was meant to be this month, but it's been cancelled because of COVID. Um, so it'll be next year in February, and that's going to be in Belgium. It's always divine when the expats go along and support the South African team. So please do. I mean, that's just awesome for the hockey teams to yeah. both be in the World Cup. Absolutely. We have so many strong sports people in South Africa doing all kinds of different things. I mean, I know hockey isn't a big thing unless you kind of go to Eastern Cape School a lot of the time. <laughs> They're very strong hockey teams. But still, I mean, yeah, South Africans. And by the way, I'm, I know we didn't speak about this with you last week, but I'm still yeah. the Murin. About the whole anchovy thing. No more picks. I swear I've been to so many shops and I have now just, I've got a friend who's now making it. She's a chef. But I've also gone out and bought all the stuff because I've got my own recipes that I've been sent and see which one actually works well. Well, did you see? Because all the expats who, you know, it was banned from being flown to England quite a while ago. So they Mm. already all have their recipes and are really good at it. And they've been sending the recipes back to the South Africans. But I think I love Tom Eaton's recipe the most where um, he said, you know, it's two tins of sardines, one tin of anchovies, some tomato paste, and a little wad of mold. (laughs) And then then you put it all together and slide it into your rubbish bin. Um. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a whole lot of things. I mean, they've been talking about it on the radio stations here as well. Uh, It's been very interesting to see how many people actually are, are absolutely horrified about this. <laughs> but when going, last did the horrified people buy it? Because that's the problem, you know. They, I they usually sit- have it in my fridge, st- sitting upside down, because my mother always told me that you, have, you can't just store it with the lid on the top. You have to stand it on its lid because then it won't get moldy. Oh, I don't know why. Mom. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it just sank all to the bottom and the mold was in. When you turn around to use it, then it's still fine on the top. <laughs> anyway, so I will be, I'll let you know how my recipes go. Yes. Okay, so, but it's amazing when the, the, that's the kind of thing that you're talking about. <laughs> I know. It's great. it's great. Okay. And also, of course, uh, Princess Charlene had her birthday. Yes, that was on Tuesday. Um, and, and her foundation posted the most beautiful video sort of montage of her whole life and, and said, we hope you realize just how loved you are and how appreciated you are. Um, mm-hmm. And she reposted it with just a little love heart. Uh, and the Monaco Palace also posted it and just said, happy birthday. But mm-hmm. there was no further news. So hopefully she's getting better. They've said it may take a few months. And then I also saw a great message with Louis Ersthausen, you know, the golfer, that his foundation and Charlene's foundation have joined up to help feed people in South Africa who need feeding. Um, so okay. there's a whole feeding program going on. Thank you, Louis. So talking about local good news, um, I'm sure that you remember, Jane, a, a, f- a month or so ago, I told you all about the Cabbage Patch Bandit. Yes. And remember we talked a while ago about the Cabbage Patch and everybody wants to go like, you know, Cabbage Patch Doll? No, Cabbage Patch Bandit. Well, we've managed to track down and uh, get him on the line is Joe Bankuna. And I don't know how much you know about this particular story, so I'm going to let you ask the questions. Morning, Joe. 
How's it, Joe? Hi, how are you doing, Melanie? Hey. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all doing absolutely fine. Now, I know about the story. Jenny knows a bit about the story. So, would you, um, Jen, so, do you want a bit of a, a catch-up? Hi, Joe. Um, yeah, you became so famous. And um, I, I wasn't in South Africa. I would love you to refresh my memory. Exactly what happened? You had a pavement outside your garden. What was it? Uh Good morning once again. Um, yeah, I did not plan to be famous uh, or anything. <laughs> so uh, usually in the suburbs, people will be planting uh, flowers and grass and so on outside of their yard, you know, in the pavement. Yeah. So I decided to do something uh, different. I do have some grass, of course, and a couple of plants, but I decided to have one portion, small portion, uh, dedicated to planting vegetables. Beautiful. Yes, and then uh, I've been planting since 2019, but last year, September, the police told me that it was illegal to plant onion and cabbage outside. I must go back to planting grass and roses. <gasps> no, so and, that, that, and, that and were people eating... Sorry, were people eating your vegetables? Were they, were they being useful? The vegetables actually belong to my wife. I am just the planter. You know, she owns them completely. So <laughs> she, <laughs> she takes uh, the vegetables to uh, the township uh, where she is working actually as a social worker, yes. Oh, that's amazing. And so what happened with the police? Well, yes, I was ha severely harassed. Uh, so I was told to remove them uh, because it was illegal. I cannot plant them there. What is illegal in South Africa is to plant grass uh, or leave the pavement alone, you know, to be overgrown. Like opposite my house now, the grass is almost more than a meter high, you know. So then uh, I was given a fine and uh, told to appear in court uh, if I paid the fine of 1500 I would have had a criminal record for the rest of my life. It means that uh, for that, I would not enter Australia. I would not travel internationally because I would be a criminal for planting cabbages outside. So I challenged that in court. Fortunately, we never went to court because the prosecutors were laughing all the way in the offices. They said there's no such a law. <laughs> uh, there's no crime that I've actually committed. So it never even went to court because when the docket was handed over to the prosecutors, they just went gaga over this thing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What a relief. And so are you still growing vegetables now? Currently now I've got 43, uh, last time I counted, uh, I had 43 pumpkins, big ones. They are as big as uh, rugby balls now, 43 of them. I've got green paper, I've got tomato, Potatoes that I actually need to harvest this weekend. They're actually late, you know. So, yes, I've planted. I've always planted. Actually, I'm expanding the garden. Where to? I'm expanding it to where actually I've planted grass. So I'm just increasing it. Fantastic. Uh, currently, the garden is about, the corner there is about 45 squares. So I want to increase it to 80 square meters, yes. Oh, fantastic. So I'll be, removing, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be removing some of the grass, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get rid of the grass and grow vegetables. I mean, I think that, you know, getting these, these things 
working and getting people fed and are you actually having any joy in getting other people to subvert the law as we would like to say and actually do some guerrilla gardening on their pavements or you have a lot of people come to you and said we want to do the same thing can you help us even before my uh, persecution you know i there were a lot of people uh, actually i visited one last week saturday who are actually doing more than I do. Here in Pretoria, you know, they have planted their whole front yard of vegetables of some sort, you know. So I was not the only one. And unfortunately, I was singled out. And here is the situation. There is no law in South Africa that prescribes what you can plant and what you cannot plant outside. Nada, zero. There's nothing like that. So. So, yes, um, uh, uh, there are people who are doing that uh, at a much more bigger scale than I do. Some of them actually sell the vegetables. I don't sell them. I give them out for free. Fantastic. (laughs) What else have you got coming up that you're going to be amusing us with? I mean, I'm a big gardener. I'm very involved in gardening. So for me, it's a really heartfelt thing. And I, mean, I love the fact that also in, this, in the northern suburbs, I mean, people have put vegetable gardens out on their verges. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have the luxury of enough sunlight because we have such big street trees. So it's quite difficult to have a vegetable garden growing where there's not enough sunlight. So, I mean, I, I just love this, this whole thing that people are going on food security. So, I mean, are you going to go into public speaking and get people involved that way? Look, I am very outspoken, um, not on gardening issues, but generally, you know, if you look at my Facebook page, I talk about all sorts of things. But I think for me, uh, what has come very strong out of my arrest and harassment by the law is, is actually how people are attuned to the issues of hunger mm. uh, and poverty out there, which is very rife. If this thing happened to me when actually there's food everywhere, I don't think that it would have gained so much traction. I think a lot of people see themselves when they drive, they see people begging on the streets. Uh, People have got no food. People have lost a lot of work. Uh, People have got no work. Uh, People have lost a lot of jobs uh, currently with Corona, with also our economy in general. So we are all attuned to that fact that we need to have a plan B yeah, you yeah. know, as far as food security is concerned, so that is one thing. My wife always claimed that she has baptized me, which I always agree that actually I am now her <laughs> disciple because as a social worker, she was much more attuned to these things of people not having food to eat in the in the townships. Uh, when you stay in the suburbs, you throw away a loaf of bread uh, which has expired from Woolworth. You don't feel any remorse. Uh, whatsoever until you go out there in the townships you realize that actually people are struggling to survive Uh, they are eating anything that actually can come their way so planting vegetables outside is now for me much more of a calling because uh, with that small patch of land you will be amazed how much actually the soil give out in terms of food you know, and it's something that actually, if all the suburbs had that, and also it helps also in reconnecting between the suburbs and the townships, because I think as South Africans we've become so much isolated. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so it would be very nice if people in Santen were planting more vegetable to support people in Alexander, for example, to mm. support anyone actually who is hungry. It be creates that sense of oneness 
that sense of being a nation. Currently, we are not a nation, we are a country. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So true. Well, keep up the good work for us, please, Joe, and let us know how things are going. I mean, it's amazing. I went and posted um, one of your posts, Facebook posts onto my, my Garden Club page, and I got over a 1,000 people who liked it, who commented. It was unbelievable how everybody was just like, wow, if you, if you get a chance and you haven't been onto um, the Lifestyle Garden Club page, go and have a look and just see how many people just think you're doing the most amazing thing. And we'd like to thank you for doing that as well. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Melanie. I think I really appreciate it. I have got a new podcast which I'm planning to start at the end of the month. It's called The Cabbage Patch with the Cabbage Bandit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we will be talking about a lot of food security things and how actually all of us can switch on when it comes to sharing food. You know, you don't have to throw away your food in the bin every day, especially in the suburbs. You can share that food to actually help each other to reconnect with one another. Fantastic. All right. Well, keep us updated and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so we've also got um, some other news from the expats. Of course, Dominique Scott Efford raced into the top three in Houston half marathon. That's, I mean, these marathon runners. But Dominic, I don't know if you remember, she was at the Olympics. She's, she's just brilliant. And she had been training in Colorado um, where it was snowing next to the track. So when she went to this half marathon and the winds were really cold, she was like fully prepared. Okay, and, no, that's yeah. the way to be, yeah. Yeah, and she, and uh, she um, I mean, it's just brilliant. And I, I know what you mean about racing, but when you see the photos of her, it's just, she looks so happy. It kind of makes you want to run. And she landed up without realizing it, um, also breaking a record for South Africans in, the tw- in running 20 kilometers. So she was pretty proud. You know, it's always so nice to, to, yeah. to go onto the South African history books, you know, and, and she wasn't expecting that. Oh, fantastic. All yeah. right. So what have we got that you've heard that is good news apart from the fact, of course, that we are so lucky to live in South Africa? <laughs> um, well, you are lucky because there's been incredible surf from all the, the weather and everything. So I was, was speaking to a friend who had been out on a boat and he said, oh, the amount of kelp that's out there. And of course, now all the dolphins coming around the place in um, down near Heart Bay. But he says the, the seven to eight meter tall waves. It, it was incredible. Huge walls of waves, you know, like, like Portugal and Hawaii. 20, mm. Yeah, 20 to 30 foot. I don't know how much that is in meters. We had some stunning um, video from Dean Banatine on SA People. And I just loved how your favorite, Lewis Pugh, said, um, no swimming this week. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it was massive, massive. The, um, Dean said it was... He he thinks it's the biggest Cape Town has ever seen. And then, and then there was also brilliant video footage from Luke Bell, who recently did the stunning Cape Town is the best city on the planet video. Um, he did of that Antipolis wreck, which, mm-hmm. which used to be a dive spot. I don't know if you ever went diving there. No, I don't dive in cold water. Oh, okay, you're such a snob. Um, so, so I mean, apparently, no, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm a wimp. Okay, Make it, I don't like cold. Okay, so they are wetsuits, but um, yeah, apparently the the lobster there were like the hugest, and people used to love diving there. But now the ocean has kind of 
pushed it out. And um, so loads of people went and were taking stunning photos. And Luke got this incredible drone video footage of it. It's a wreck from 1977 where mm. the Japanese tug driver had asked for permission to go into Table Bay and didn't understand when they said, no, don't. It's too dangerous. And so he went oh, yeah. in. Ish, and and was, went down. Yeah, two 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 boats. Uh, the one at Odakral and the mm. other one at Landadna. And and just a quick aside. And to police is actually what Antibes is named after. That's that's our name. Oh really? Yes. Oh, when, okay. When the Greeks came here, they named us Antipolis because we are the city opposite Nice, in the bay. Okay. Yeah, that's the Antipolis. Right. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then another lovely bit of news is uh, the Cape Flats, where there's a lot of problems with gangs and everything. And there's some incredible people that have this organization called Bands Not Gangs. And Mm. they are teaching and supplying guitars, drums, piano lessons to young kids to, to get them involved in music so that they're not bored and joining gangs. And they're, they're even donating some equipment to leaders in the, you mm. know, so older people as well, mm. um, which, which is lovely. Music is the way. Cool. Okay. And then, of course, we're back to sport again because, of course, last week was the cricket against India. And I, I, when we were speaking, I was speaking to Ted Buerta yeah. last week, obviously, and he, and he was like, there is cricket, really? <laughs> he's in Cape Town. I'm like, dude, it's in Paul. How can I know he's if it's not if it's not in the water, he's not interested. <laughs> True, they should do underwater cricket because you know they do underwater rugby. Yes, um, and, ho- and hockey and soccer and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah, just not the cricket yet. I suppose it's boring enough on 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 Earth. <laughs> anyway, well done, well done to Quentin de Kock, who was player of the match, and to Temba Bavuma who has honestly been, you know, he really stepped into captaining shoes so Mm. well. And he's trying to stay humble, but he knows he's done really well. You know, as a captain leading, uh, adding balls, you know, adding runs to the score. He all, all round, well done. Yeah. Okay. So let's get on to something entertaining. Sex in Afrikaans. Yeah. But it's it's must net sex. The yeah. same word, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, so this is a new Showmax original. It's coming on Valentine's Day. Uh, it's a documentary series with a clinical psychologist and um, speaking to people in the industry, people who, you know, couples, as well as the providers of, of sex equipment in South Africa. It's going to be fascinating, really, really fascinating. They say mm-hmm. apparently Afrikaans people in the adult industry go hand in hand and that really? the sister Tunnies order the big vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> and that apparently there's over 40,000 registered swingers in South Africa. I don't know if any are your friends, but... Uh, I did hear I about have not even heard about any of this actually. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you must watch this show coming in February. And yeah. and just while on the, on the subject of sex, I think the biggest thing in the TV world this last week was uh Sex in the City, you know the new one and just yeah. like that was yeah. Harry wearing a prosthetic and okay. and then the child walks in and catches mom in action. Then we also had the first pictures of Bridgerton season 2. Woohoo! Yay! Yeah. And um, and then for me, the most exciting is Ozark. 
is yes everybody's mm, been watching Ozark yeah, already here it's I've, I've just finished watching I've just finished watching season four of The Handmaid's Tale but I can't find I, I must actually just check and see if it is five and six are on the show max or not um, because yo that's hectic anyway we won't talk anymore about that <laughs> but what we will talk about are some videos and I see that you've got coming up some a video about my ex-husband actually and and I I knew I knew about this because one of my daughters went through and um she sent me a picture while she was there um on this rhino relocation so there's this tiny I and mean, my, my kids are not particularly big but her standing next to this huge rhino oh, wow. and it's a, a wonderful place that they um, have set up and um, if, I'm just saying to anybody if you happen to go out to that area please do not post raw pictures onto the internet anywhere because people can find your geotag and then they'll know where the rhinos are so we want to make sure that that doesn't happen so you, you're doing However, a story on it you do hey? know that most when you know when I interview all these people in the rhino world they all say so much of it is inside jobs you know most yeah. most of the poachers unfortunately already know where the rhino are it's just I sometimes get upset because somebody will post a photo uh, from the Kruger Park last week and then somebody else will say you shouldn't have said it was the Kruger Park and in fact you know, people know that there's rhinos there and it was yes. a week ago and I, I think that we can we think we're being useful policing people and it's just like actually it's a deeper darker thing yeah, but, going on but, at least, um, but yeah, I do agree with you when we're talking about yeah. saving these particular ones yes don't post where they are so we want to be saving the survivors okay we need yes. to keep them going yes. and uh, yeah so look after our animals South Africa and, and talking about animals what, what are you talking about pretty amazing worm <laughs> I know. It's, it's, a, it's a little worm and it comes from East Africa. And we just found, we, but when I say we, some South Africans, just found the very first one in South Africa. And we've got video and photos. And it's just the prettiest little worm. It, it looks like it should have its own TV series. It's <laughs> colorful and pretty. Yeah. So. Oh, Jen, come on. <laughs> That's just bizarre. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it then. Um, I'm going to go and eat a worm now. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> now, apparently, I read somewhere talking about worms, and it was a lovely thing I read yesterday, is that earthworms have taste bud senses, pretty much well, what we'd call taste buds, pretty much all over their skin. So it was a lovely little oh. story about how when, you know, she thinks when she goes and she feeds her worms in her worm bin, that then you put some fresh apple peelings into it and how they're writhing in ecstasy because they can feel it all over their body. Oh, I just thought nice. it was such a lovely image. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so with that thought, go and have a fantastic day. Um, in, enjoy your croissant and your panini or whatever you're having. And we'll catch up with you again next week. Yes, and I hope it doesn't get too hot for you. <laughs> Thanks, Mal. Bye. We'll catch you again next time. Take care. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.